<laughs> oh yeah, cough right into that thing. Girthy. Ew. Girthy sounds like a God's earthy. No, it sounds like a really awful name. Like like it's 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 Aunt Girthy. Those are my niece and nephew, Gunther and Girthy. These are my fantasy protagonists, Skylar and Girthy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the one. Fuck. Welcome to Is It Teachable, the podcast by teachers for all of those willing to listen. This is our special episode of Is It Teachable at night, because we usually record this in the morning, and it is 5.57 on a Saturday. In what world is this at night? It's for nighttime. For you. It is nighttime. There's at least an hour left before it rolls no. over to nighttime. Nope. Six, nope. 6 p.m. is still evening. No. Uh-uh. So I stop working at like 5. Oh, so it's five so, o'clock night. It's night. No, it is. No, for it's not. Me. Okay, because okay. like when work was still a thing that I routinely did when I could go to work, when I had the privilege to go to work and actually be in my office and not just try to do things from the uh-huh. house, which we have done. And I would like, you know, we're we're doing the best we can, which is you know all all anybody can really do at this point. Um, I would get to my office, uh, depending on. No, I mean, usually I'd get there around, like, so if it was, like, Monday or Wednesday, I would teach it. I'd get to the high school at 7.30, teach until 9, get to my office at 9.30, and then I'd be there until, like, 4.30, get home at 5, and then it was, like, I'm not working the rest of the day because I'm exhausted. If I see an essay, I'll burst into flames. So, yeah, at, at 5 o'clock, it's night. No, dude. No, no, no. Like, okay, when does afternoon end for you? Five. Afternoon and then night. No. Morning, afternoon, night. Okay, no. The day has three stages, unless I'm drinking. And then it's morning, afternoon, first drinky time, and then night. Which means more drink time. No. There, evening has to be in there somewhere. Evening and night are the same thing. They're literally not, though. I know. Evening comes before night. I know that technically, by definition, they're different things. But I just... I worked in the food industry, and once it hit four o'clock, whenever I was working in four food, o'clock it, is was night, like, folks, a, it was like, it was like, have a good night. You heard it here first. <laughs> because, I mean, it was either you have morning shift or evening shift, so it was like, okay, have a good day, and then like, once you hit five o'clock, it was like, have a good night. Okay, but 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 can I talk to you in the fact that you said there is morning shift or there is evening shift? You don't say- Evening being, you know, the one time of day that you have completely just- removed from your parlance <laughs> okay i think that you have you you done fuckied yourself <laughs> no, you done goofed up <laughs> no i didn't okay so there's a difference between evening shift and night shift night shift is the one that gets all of the creepypastas written about it evening shift is you're done at 10 and you go home smelling like onions i did that for four years mad respect to anybody doing that right now i feel that Sometimes there's still a whiff of onions. Wow! Yeah. 
Welcome to oh, yeah? Teachable. Where a man is about to be killed. <laughs> I'm Zach, the man about to be killed. <laughs> I'm Morgan, the woman about to commit murder. <laughs> we are. It only it only took a pandemic to put us back in the saddle. Oh, we're just like every other heterosexual couple now. We hate each other. We want each other dead. <laughs> you shut up. <laughs> God. You're like those, you, you're trying to make us become the embodiment of those like facebook memes where it's like you know i put my fork up in front of my eyes to see my wife in jail when i'm having a bad day <laughs> yeah if you haven't seen uh curtis connor's newest video about uh straight people just need to stop in general um you should you should definitely check it out i don't understand i mean i know that's the general like through line of the conversation about those memes is that i a lot of people just don't get it like, if you're with somebody, shouldn't you be ecstatic to be with them? Like, even though you just said that I smell like onions, I still love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Um, and just entering into a conversation with somebody and being like, yeah, this is my this is my boyfriend, Zach. He means the world to me. That Sometimes I want to put his dick in a wood shepherd, but, like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not true, by the way. Yeah, if, as long as we're doing those, I could do, like, this is my girlfriend, Morgan, uh, who I want to give a nice pair of uh, cement shoes to. <laughs> Ever take a next step in the ocean? <laughs> tee, but I don't want to. Tee, tee, wink, wink, wonk. Wonk. God help us. Bonk. My current favorite TikTok trend. Bonk. Apparently, that's a filter. Really? It's a bonk filter. Yeah. Apparently. Love that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that because the only reference I'd had was the girl having a or doing the like childhood trauma check or something and starts talking about something like really really awful. traumatic and then just bonk Bunk. yep um that and then the the shiba inu hitting the other <clears throat> shiba inu with a police baton and saying bonk <laughs> go to horny jail <laughs> which is another thing that has been this is not the point of this podcast we're not talking about horny but uh everybody is talking about horny though because what, what? okay so during quarantine we had back to back National Horny Day and National Anime Day or International Anime Day. Oh, that was a thing on Twitter, wasn't um, it? Which is really Horny Day squared. <laughs> we had both. Um, and since we were also watching other, we watched Curtis Connor and Danny Gonzalez today during lunch, getting our good commentary YouTube channels in. Um, Danny Gonzalez did a video about Candy Ken. And I don't we, even want to think about that I don't, again. What really upsets me is um, his apartment is fascinating because it's clearly a really nice, like, it's a nice apartment. It's yeah. got questionable stuff in it. Um, but he's, th- there's this really cringeworthy, <laughs> isn't even the right descriptor for it. Just this horrendous video. And then in the background, there's just Rem from ReZero. <laughs> And I were like, no! Yeah, just somewhere. Get her out of there! Uh, among the pile of Lisa Frank stuff that someone shit all over in an apartment, there's a bunch of like anime girl posters, and I'm like, one of these things is not like the other. I love the idea of having lift them out. a massive, like, very industrial adjacent looking LA apartment and not buying anything. Like, I don't need a dinner table, I need a giant rim poster. I need my waifus everywhere. I mean, it's priorities, priorities, man. Yeah, get your priorities straight. Waifus, essentials for living. So waifus before laifus. Yes. 
Nice. Yes. There we go. Waifus before laifus. Husbandos before... It, it doesn't really is give a whole lot of, like, rhyming potential. I... Husbandos is such a little word. Waifu is so good. Yeah. yeah I, it, really, I, it really... It rolls off the tongue. It does. Really Husbandos... It's, it's the extra syllable. Yeah. You have to put, like, a moment's more work in it. Yeah. You know, it's just a monumental task. If you could just say daddy and be done with it. <coughs> <laughs> On that note, should we... <laughs> On that note, Zach's gonna talk about Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> you go to hell. <laughs> Speaking of priorities, I think uh-huh. we, I are, have, we, we have, are doing... A... We don't have any. We're doing a teaching podcast. I think uh, yeah. I, I think our priority should maybe be the thing that we're actually looking <laughs> can to you, Can you believe that about? between the two of us we have four degrees? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so uh, we did a weird magic number generator thing to like change up how we do the whole format. And what we had to teach with comics this week. Yep. Um, comics so... broadly defined as anything. So comic, graphic novel manga etc yeah like whatever if you think of it when we say comic it's probably yeah so um we each went and chose two like a a different thing a piece to to talk about morgan what'd you pick out i picked through the woods uh which is a it's a it's a graphic novel well technically it's a series of graphic short stories Mm -hmm. uh by emily carroll um i'll talk more about the specific contents later but it's very Traditional fairy tales meet Edgar Allan Poe. It's 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 definitely horror horror infused short stories, and I am a massive fan of all things related to horror and all things even remotely fairy tale related. So I'm a very very big fan of Through the Woods. And each time I've read the book or the collection rather, I've read it in an entire sitting, which isn't saying much. Like I mean, I I think I like to think that I read pretty quickly, but like it's. Given that it's a graphic novel, it doesn't take long for me to... The only graphic novel that took me a really, really long time to get through was Watchmen. I mean, Watchmen is dense. <laughs> yeah. Like, Watchmen yeah. is, like, dense with a capital D. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot to it there. Mm-hmm. Zach, tell me about your choice. I ended up picking out um, a, a vastly different comic choice uh-huh. in uh, Bill Watterson's long-running uh, comic strip series. Best comic strip series ever. Don't at me. Calvin and Hobbes. Uh-huh. Um, it is a, a a masterpiece of literature, and I I don't say that ironically. I I, I would go to bat and I would fight for this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know central premise is you've got a snot nosed six year old spiky hair boy named Calvin, named after uh, John Calvin the theologian who believed in predestination, a bunch of other shit. Um, hilariously, not at all. Uh, even remotely philosophically on board with any of that. Okay, I was wondering about that. And uh, Hobbes, his his pet tiger, who everyone sees as a stuffed tiger, but he sees as a living, breathing tiger that talks and is bipedal and such, and is very bad at math and geography and basically everything else. Relatable. Yeah. Hobbes is named after uh, the philosopher Thomas Hobbes. Um, hilariously enough, in a comic strip, for uh, allegedly, you know, children, it goes pretty hard on a lot of quote-unquote deep stuff and then also throws in some poop jokes here and there. Um, it is delightful. It is a comic strip for all ages, which, you know, I, I say that sometimes and that's like a goofy thing, but like this is literally the perfect comic and is, you know, 
applicable for literally any audience I could think of. So uh, we have uh, some some different approaches, I think, to how both of these could be used in perhaps a, a, a teaching setting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I also think, too, because uh, you made the comment of your your choice is drastically different from mine. If you want any kind of indication of who Zach and I are as people, that photo of the house that is like all pink and purple and blue next to the house that is all black. <laughs> you are the very colorful one and I'm the all black one. I think that's a good... When it comes to our interests. Yeah. <laughs> because I like you in our home office, like directly behind us, you have an entire box dedicated to Calvin and Hobbes, which is adorable. I, if there is a box, if there is a Calvin and Hobbes book that exists that I don't have, I am not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got a lot in there. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's really cool because we mm-hmm. have one of those um, the the eight box black uh, shelves from Target. I think that Target? one was from Target. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Zach has all of his Calvin and Hobbes books, and then your stuffed Hobbes from when you were a child, right? But it's, it wasn't your first Hobbes. No, it wasn't my first Hobbes. My first Hobbes I wanted to get because we went to Build-A-Bear when I was real young. But for some reason, when we went to Build-A-Bear, they somehow didn't have a fucking tiger. But they had a cheetah. So I was like, I mean, close enough, I guess. So I stuffed a, a cheetah and called it Hobbes. And then, I don't remember if... I saw the actual tiger hobs, or if I was given the hobs as a gift, but whatever. I have an actual stuffed tiger, and that was my hobs for a very long time. Um, and I am deeply emotionally attached to it, and if anything happened to it, I think my soul would, like, fragment a little bit. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's my treasure. What exact, huh? Nope, Did nope. I ever tell you about the time that I, uh, I and about fifteen other kids in my elementary school raced uh, mechanical pigs for a cheetah stuffed animal? What the fuck? Okay, apparently not. Okay, so they would like I don't I don't remember what I think it was a fundraiser kind of thing. Like, did you guys have? It's always so hard talking to you about school stuff because it's I like just I don't went believe to a private school. I don't that believe doesn't... <laughs> the school you went to was real. Um, did you guys ever have like hoops for heart? Or any kind of fundraising events? Is Hoops for Heart like a hula hoop thing? No, it's basketball. Oh, uh, no. Nope. Yeah, we would have a, it would be, it, was, it used to be like a full day when I was in elementary school, and then in middle school it became a half day where we would, um, like, people, like, students would raise money with their families to give to the American Heart Association. Yeah. And then, like, if you spent x amount of money or you gave x amount of money you'd get prizes and stuff but on hoops for heart day everybody would go play basketball or basketball related activities together like as a school okay that's Um, all delightful and such and that's really nice but i want to hear about the mechanical pigs okay so the mechanical pigs i don't think were related to hoops for heart but they were some kind of fundraiser that was happening (laughs) it was was to give context for some there was some kind of fundraiser okay whatever toys were involved pigs yes okay so they had pink ones and they had blue ones they were fuzzy and you could put them next to each other as we did and turn them on and they would waddle and stuff so and there wasn't like a special pig that was faster than all the other ones it was what trajectory did you put your pig on because if your pig was askew just a little bit then your pig was gonna run into everybody else's pig and then everybody down that line was (laughs) fucked including you so we all get our pigs and we're told like whoever wins is gonna get this stuffed leopard and i was like hell yeah i want that and we raced pigs, and I won. My pig won. So I got it, and I carried it around with me for a very long time. 
Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. I never knew that was the origin of that thing. Yeah. It is. I don't even think it came with me in the move, but it... No. It you didn't. weren't... Were you and I together when... We've been together for so long now, it all bleeds together, but I think by the time you and I got together for that first year when I was still living in my parents' home, because I was a little bab, um, before, before you, uh-huh. uh, the, the first two... Oh, yeah, because, no, I, my giant DVD collection was on those two shelves. Yeah. It used to be nothing but stuffed animals. Yep, that was definitely not there when I, yeah, when yeah. I came into um, the picture. I remember, because it was like that when I was a kid, too, because I just had a shitload of stuffed animals. And I remember um, a bunch of kids, like, from my class, like, a bunch of boys were hanging out with the guy who lived across the street from me, because he was also in my class. And... One of the guy's girlfriends was a good friend of mine, and she was visiting me, so they came to the window, and they were like, we're gonna tell everybody in school that you have a bunch of stuffed animals on your shelves, and I was, like, crying, because I was really embarrassed, and it, I, none of it changed until I was, like, 18, and then I was like, it's just, shit's gotta stop. It's <laughs> <laughs> all gotta go. Anyway, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to put us off course, but I totally forgot that I told you about the mechanical yeah, pigs. Yeah, you, you put the mechanical pig of our conversation a little askew, and it just kind of tossed everything <laughs> off course I'm there. Sorry. I so, want one, though. So, like, in in considering that our tastes are apparently I have a Lisa Frank house, and you have you a gothy goth McGoth house. I do. What about your personal tastes made you pick specifically Through the Woods? So, I mentioned earlier that I'm really big into fairy tales, and I didn't know a whole lot about through the woods whenever I asked for it. Yeah. It was one of the things, um, like when Christmas rolls around, I have a really hard time figuring out what I want to ask for. Mm-hmm. So I just don't like asking for things. Yeah, but I had seen this text referenced in a video or somebody had mentioned it and I looked it up and I saw a little bit of the art style and I saw the title and I was like, oh, that looks like it would be up my alley. So I kind of just put it on a Christmas list and I was like, if I get that, that'll be cool. Yeah. And I ended up getting it and I, it was one of the first gifts that I got that day. So I read it before I did anything else that day. And it is, I mean, like I said earlier, um, every time I've read it, I've read it in an entire sitting. Like you just can't put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and aside from the fact that it is very much like in the vein of, of similar storytelling formats for, for fairy tales, it's, has very very interesting monsters and on the one hand because there are like there are actual monsters in these stories Mm -hmm. it really i think it's fun that or not fun but you know in a lot of short stories especially now that attempt to talk about monsters it's like the people were the monsters all along Mm -hmm. um and there is a story that is like that in here um his face was his face all red was actually a webcomic first and that apparently went viral and that kind of like snowballed into what became this and became like a publishing deal and stuff and the little bit that i know about it um and his face all red is a a short story about two brothers Mm -hmm. and they live in this village and the the livestock in a couple of the the homes like the you know sheep chicken stuff like that go missing or are slaughtered Mm -hmm. and everybody you know in the town it's like well shit we gotta do something about it and the the younger of the two brothers it's i mean i'm assuming that he's he's younger He's, he's the less stellar of the brothers, because yes. there's one who's kind of short, squatty, doesn't talk much, and there's the, the Gaston E brother without all the douche. Yeah. Um, and the, the squatty one is like, I'll fight him, and everybody's like, hee-hee. Um, and the older brother's like, no, it's cool, we'll, we'll do it together, and everybody's like, hoorah. And they go out, and uh, the wolf appears, and the, I'm, spoilers, by the way, for this entire short story, um, and the, the squatty brother hides behind a tree. 
And his, and Big, Big Brother kills it, no problem. And they're like, haha, it was just a wolf, it's okay. Everybody will be delighted to find out that everybody is safe or that the, and that the monster has been killed. And in parentheses, it says, by my brother. Mm-hmm. So like nobody's going to give the younger brother any credit because he doesn't deserve it. Uh, so he murders his brother and puts him in a hole. As, oh. you, as you do. Um, and they find this hole before they find anything else because they pass this tree when they're looking for the wolf and it's like the, the younger brother is like, oh, it's like a, it looks like it has old lady hands on it. And they pass a, a babbling brook and it sounds like it's got, it's wailing and, and stuff. And then the hole is a, just pitch black and it smells like lilacs for some reason. Um, there's probably some significance there. I'm not a flower person. I know a lot of people are like super in tune with what flowers mean. Uh-huh. Uh, I know that I probably should be given all the anime that I watch, but I know jack shit about plants. Um, but he, he goes to the bar, uh, three days after his brother has been killed and suddenly his brother is back. Ah. And he doesn't know if it's a manifestation of guilt or what, but it ends with him going back into the hole to check and make sure the body's still there. Because he's like, I don't, eh, this can't be my brother. Um, and his brother turns and his face is all red because mm-hmm. of blood. And that's it. That's where it ends. Uh, so that short story kind of snowballed into everything else. But I love the fact that there are actual monsters. I love a good monster. One of the reasons I really liked that Netflix movie, um, The Ritual, Oof, was yeah. like, I mean, everything else was fine. Like, it was interesting enough, but the monster was awesome. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, give me Such a good... Such cool design. Yeah, give me a good monster design, and I'm I'm in. I'm so in. Hell what yeah, appeals dude. to you about Calvin and Hobbes, especially right now, as an adult? Well, I mean, if we're talking about monsters, Calvin Hobbes tackles, you know, a lot of things, like the biggest monster of all, capitalism. Hell yeah. Um, Tear it down. Calvin and Hobbes was... Um, I, I would venture to say I literally grew up with Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was a consistent force in my life since I was, like, six. Uh, I remember going to um, the public library with my mom and my little brother, and she was like, go, grab a few books that you want. And me being six-year-old me with the attention span of a gnat, I looked at all these books, and I was like, no books. And I found that they had this little, like, you know, spinning turnstile of just, like, different comic strip collections. And I remember grabbing a Garfield book, and I remember grabbing a Calvin and Hobbes book, which is kind of symbolically, like, grabbing Satan and, you know, God, I think. <laughs> um, I'll let you be the judge of whatever of those two that you want. But... Lasagna. <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes is, you know, um, is so fun and witty and, and, and smart of a comic strip where, like, you know, a lot of Sunday comics are like, you know, some stu- lasagna joke or some lasagna. stupid shit like that. Or like, it's a Monday. And that's like the punchline. It's like, I mean, okay, that's funny, I guess. If, you know, I'm eating my bowl of prunes and, you know, getting ready to sit out on the porch for a long day <laughs> or do my crossword. Eating my brand. Yeah, um, but I don't know, like, Calvin and Hobbes was so funny to me as a small child, because, like, while I definitely didn't get all the jokes about, like, you know, for instance, I didn't know who Nixon was when a joke was made about him at some part in, you know, one comic collection, mm-hmm. or I had no idea, you know, what the fuck the Dow Jones was or, or anything else, but, you know, there was enough in it to be like, ah, He's a little kid like me, playing with a stuffed tiger, and just having a bunch of fun with imagination. Oh, shit, they drew stuff on a cardboard box, and it's a time machine now. 
Um, and there's just like a lot of fun and, you know, adventure and imagination to be had for a, a much younger audience there. But, you know, as, as you grow older and kind of go back and read through it, you know, you find there's a lot of stuff that is, you know, while it's in the Sunday funny pages and a lot of it is directed at children, there's definitely a lot of, you know, jokes meant for an adult viewership and adult readership. And it's, it's very cool to see how it is able to straddle the line between those two, like, completely different age groups and how it is still so fun and such a distilled sense of imagination for me even reading it today um i mean like I, I like a lot of comics and such but really we we got this you know topic and i was like oh fuck what am i gonna do and you know I, i'm i'm kind of astonished that it it took me this long to really think like it's calvin and Hobbes, you idiot what else would it be so I kind of picked it because it has been an institution in my life, mm -hmm. more or less. I know very little about, like, I I think my first exposure to Calvin and Hobbes was actually in undergrad because mm -hmm. there were, there are a couple strips from Calvin and Hobbes that have been incorporated into textbooks Yeah, about math and things like that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the fact that the humor is, appeals to both ages, uh, it kind of reminds me of VeggieTales, but better. <laughs> and like pulling, pulling the the god bit out. At least I mean I don't I don't know how. I mean I don't know if that's got some big idea stuff going on. There, in Calvin there, Hobbes, there, but... there are many strips where Calvin is staunchly atheist. Oh okay, all right, <laughs> comes... all right. Um, but like, VeggieTales would do the same thing, and I remember really liking that as a kid. Uh huh. Like the I've probably mentioned it before, but the silly songs with Larry during the the Buzzsaw Louie movie, the toy that saved Christmas. When, like, he's like, could that be Santa? Could that be him? And, like, the different people come to the door, and it's, like, a, a robber and a bunch of other stuff, and he lets them in, and then one guy shows up, I'm from the IRS, and he just slams the, the door, door in his face and smirks <laughs> at the camera. I had no idea why that was funny when I was a kid. Oh, oh God. But, all right, so how... Teaching. That's what we do. Yeah, how, how teaching. How teach. Exactly. How words. You have such great mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you too. <laughs> so like, um sometimes I feel like when the words that come out of my mouth or my teaching style, if they could be like like sometimes I walk into a classroom and my brain is nothing but non pizza left beef. Like that is it. that's all that's happening, and then I have to like use those little beef scraps to figure uh, out. Like I've been working on nothing but left mental beef for the last few weeks. God. Whew. Um. But no. Um. I have always really, really, really wanted to teach a fairy tales class. I think one of the, um, like, I love teaching at the community college level, but one of the things that we do kind of miss out on is having, you know, those elective English classes to mm -hmm. teach, which are really usually, you know, allocated to, like, larger universities where you've got more students and you've probably got a larger English program. Um, and again, to be clear, I, I love, love where I'm, I'm teaching. Both, both places are great. Um, but I would love to teach this in tandem with a short story collection edited by Gregory Maguire, who, of course, is the author of, um, of Wicked, 
Son of a Witch, um, Through the Looking Glass, etc., etc., etc. He edited a collection of short stories that were all taking twists on traditional fairy tales, and it's called um, My Mother, She Killed Me, My Father, He Ate Me. And it's Ooh. over there. I think that's it. It's either my father he killed me, my mother she yeah. ate me, or the other way around. It sounds familiar. Um, and it is absolutely phenomenal. And I would love to start the class with like traditional fairy tales, read you know some basic you know grim stuff, some Hans Christian Andersen things like that, and then get into how we are still using fairy tales, how are, how we're how they still play a role in our society, and then also I mean, you know, looking at stuff like this that is playing inherently with horror because most fairy tales do yeah in some respect because a lot of fairy tales were kind of meant to be like cautionary tales yeah. in a lot of ways right like yeah. the Grimm brothers and such right well yeah because i mean you're learning a lesson <laughs> by yes. the end um and i would love to structure lelouch you're gonna learn a lesson one day one day i don't know what the lesson's gonna be lelouch but you're gonna learn it um It'll be the day that he has to have plastic caps put on his claws because we're not gonna we're not gonna declaw him. We would never do that, but uh, he can't destroy the carpet anymore. So now he's moved on to trying to destroy doors. <laughs> um, but I would look. I would love to look at how fairy tales have have changed yeah. and how we as as a I hate to say we as a society, um, but how the general populace <laughs> we live in a society. Um, how the general populace continues to view fairy tales and then end up using them as well. Yeah. Because one of the things that I talked about with my 102 class this semester was we were talking about alt-lit, but we were also talking about we had just started watching um, Terror and Resonance. Yeah. And for any of the, those who haven't seen it, that's fine, but there's um, a specific group of people who in the, the videos they put out as, you know, riddles to, if you can solve this riddle, then you'll find the bomb that we placed. Um, they are allusions to the, you know, the, um, to, to Oedipus. Yeah. To Oedipus Rex. And I was asking my students, you know, why do we make references to classic literature? Why do we make reference to old, like, why do we keep drudging stuff up? Why, yeah. why does something like Through the Woods exist? Right. Why do, you know, Disney movies with fairy, fairy tales still exist? Why is Gregory Maguire able to put together a giant fucking collection of fairy tale mutations yeah and it you know and it'd be hugely successful why do like fairy tale young adult novels sell like gangbusters right why do they spawn huge fucking franchises right why are they still so consistently popular mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like you know we asked the same question of shakespeare like why is shakespeare still around and it's because well duh you know much ado about nothing is anybody's experience with high school yeah um i mean broadly <laughs> broadly speaking but I, it would be fun to have that be the core question of the class and then just steadily move through it. Because my students were like, oh, well, yeah, we actually hadn't considered that. But like, because I, I mentioned, you know, have any of you seen Easy A? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, cool. Scarlet Letter, right? And they were like, oh, yeah. And I was like, have you seen She's the Man? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? And they were mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I've seen all of that stuff. So, you know, to talk about fairy tales as, you know, why do we continue to use them? Why is it an inherently cyclical process? But I would also... There are a lot of classes that are taught about monsters, and almost always it is Frankenstein. Uh -huh. Not that, not that Frankenstein's the monster. I mean, like Frankenstein the book, because um, Frankenstein's not the, the monster. Um, but uh, it's either that or zombies. Because mm. when I was working at the writing center, whenever I was in undergrad, I would get papers about that all the time, and the 
uh, the, the thesis of almost every single essay was the people were bad the whole time. And I'm like, that's cool. But I do legitimately just want to talk about monsters. Like, there's a lady in here who's full of worms. Yeah. I want to talk about the woman who's that's full gnarly, of worms. That's gnarly, dude. Right? It sucks. And I, it's real bad. And I think, like, you know, there there's a lot of this sense now where, you know, for some people it's like, well, but if there's actually a monster, it's kind of reductive and silly and fantastical and all this such. And I mean, like... There's a place for that stuff. And again, what's wrong if it's kind of fantastical and a little weird and maybe a little silly or something? Well, f- yeah. And like monsters often, again, especially like in current horror films, are in some way like symbolic of a lot of other like issues and such. Because oh, yeah. I mean like the, the monster in the ritual is also, you know, largely a symbol of, you know, past trauma and a mm-hmm. bunch of other shit like that. Yeah, and I mean, like, even vampires. If we go, like, you know, think about old, old, old monsters that have been around for, for centuries, those came out of a lot of different things. People were sick and they had the plague. People were buried alive. There are so many different reasons as to why vampires came about. It wasn't just, oh, yeah, he sucked good, and then that was it. It was... <laughs> It was, you know, there was a general anxiety about X, and then Monster created to to respond to X. Lindsay Ellis is a really good video about Monster Boyfriends about that that very thing. To, well, not that exact thing, but you know why why monsters yeah. in in some cases. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's weird that that is kind of a oh you it's an actual monster that's dumb like it, that's mm-hmm. yeah it that is inherently reductive thinking yeah yeah so no i would love to have a, an entire class dedicated to just talking about monster monsters yeah. um and specifically because i mentioned the the woman with the worms in her face yes so that entire i won't i won't talk about the entirety of the plot um but the main character mabel who goes by bell um she has a brace on her leg mm-hmm. and she walks with a cane and a lot of the story is centered around the stealing of bodies and the removal of autonomy and the removal of having a choice to do anything. Yeah. And there is a point where a monster talks to her and is like, we'll fix your leg. We'll do, you'll, the old you will be gone. And there are, and in a lot of fairy tales, issues of autonomy and choice. And I think you could do a lot of really interesting reads with this in terms of, I mean, it, my knee jerk is almost always feminist criticism, but mm-hmm. you could do a lot of disability studies with with that short story in particular, but with a lot of, of content that you could find in, in, horrors, in horror and in fairy tales, but especially fairy tales that involve a lot of horror. Yeah. I've talked a lot. <laughs> Tell me about Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, so, like, Calvin and Hobbes is just such a a broad text to work with, because, I mean, like, if, if you consider teaching with, like, a... A graphic piece usually it's like you know one sort of volume like through the woods mm-hmm. or you know watchmen or something like that it, right. it is all one like bespoke collection it is one whole contained work and the inherently different thing about you know newspaper comic strips is that you know they come out piecemeal like one per day ish and so like a book like you know the essential or the authoritative, or the indispensable Calvin and Hobbes, all titles that Bill Watterson gave to those books, because he's like, Calvin and Hobbes are none of these things, and it's fucking stupid. I'm gonna name it that. Um, they are collections of, like, months, perhaps years of work of, of this one strip. And so, 
wanting to talk about, you know, how to use this is so weird to think about because it's like, well, I mean, you're looking to talk about the evolution of a whole series of a thing that, you know, spanned like probably about a decade or so, you know, and considering how to approach that is, is very interesting to think about because, I mean, like you could go about it in the sense of, you know, how do uh, franchises or stories adapt the way in which they tell their stories over a long period of time? Because like they're, you know, you could potentially talk about, I don't know, uh, like The Walking Dead or something like that. I've seen plenty of classes on specifically just The Walking Dead, kind of like yep. you talked about, you know, yep. if there's monster classes, it's yep. usually about zombies. Uh-huh. And a lot of that is, you know, kind of not just, you know, but humans were the bad guys the whole time. It's also like a development of like, well, how does the story progress? Like, how do things change? How does their focus shift? And, you know, it, it would be, I, I think, interesting to consider Calvin and Hobbes in that sense because, you know, it, it very much starts out as just, like, some, you know, dumb little six-year-old kid and his, you know, uh, tiger friend just doing shenanigans. Um, and, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's very much kind of, you know, in its initial start about a lot of stuff like, you know, just being a kid. But as as the strip kind of goes on in years, you know, it, it changes a lot because, um, you know, they go to talking about a lot of just basic stuff about like, you know, consumer culture or, you know, uh, timely stuff, you know, timely stuff for the 1990s and things like that. Um, but... Calvin Hobbes is also interesting, again, specifically in the format of a, a, a newspaper strip, because most of the time when you look in the funny pages, unless it's like, you know, fucking Rex Morgan or something like that, that's one of those long running, like, days of our lives adjacent kind of comic strips, you kind of don't really get anything that is like super serious. Um, and, and I remember reading through one of the collections when I was a kid, and there was this point of about maybe about two weeks worth of comic strips where um, Calvin and Hobbes find uh, this this little baby raccoon and he's like hurt pretty bad. They're just like out in the woods and whatever and they take him home. And so there's this whole like sequence of strips where it's like, you know, he brings it back to his parents and they're like, I, Cal- I don't really know what to tell you about this, Calvin. We're, we'll try our best. And, you know, they, you know, wrap him up and get a box. And, you know... Calvin as this like you know snot-nosed little like really just boisterous a a kind of asshole sometimes six-year-old kid shows this remarkably vulnerable side that you hadn't like really seen a lot of before and so um you know uh, over time obviously the 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 little raccoon ultimately dies Mm. and so part of the strip is just you know Calvin kind of coming to confront like oh Jesus like death is actually a thing and, you know, for it ends up becoming seeing how a six-year-old processes death as, like, an actual concept. And, you know, that's not exactly something that I would think, you know, to, again, open newspaper and be like, oh, shit, spiky hair kid is thinking about a dead raccoon. That fucking sucks. Um, but, you know, kind of after that, it, it opened up in a lot of different ways. You know, they, you know, talked about a lot of different stuff, but it wasn't just, like, kind of an opening of different you know, serious concepts. Like, there was one whole strip, uh, it was a Sunday strip, where uh, Calvin, you know, is suddenly like, oh no, everything has suddenly turned neo-cubist. 
And so it's a completely different like art form. And, you know, the, the whole panels is about Calvin trying to switch his perception or the way that he viewed things to like understand this different art form. And, you know, it's just it's it's really fucking stupid. But it, it, it's funny for folks that like understand, again, neo-cubist art form. Like, it's, it's very niche and very specific, but it's very fun. But I think something that I would really like to talk about with Kavanaugh specifically is, again, you know, I guess like when you're working with a medium of, of comics just as a broad, you know, storytelling device, it's inherently different from like, you know, books or television or anything else just because you're trying to convey a story in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think in particular, like, again, with Kavanaugh's being a newspaper strip, one of the most interesting things to me about it is specifically how uh, across its entire like kind of tenure there was i mean later on in the strip notably a, a lot of strips that either contain no dialogue whatsoever or maybe like a single panel or two that contain dialogue and um Watterson himself as an artist was like very interested in kind of fucking with the original format of like Sunday comic strips Mm -hmm. because like if you would look in a Sunday page you know pretty traditionally it's like you know you get a big single first panel that gets like the logo in and like maybe one other panel after it that you can get like a two panel joke in and then the whole thing starts and you got like two or three little rows down there and at some point Watterson was like um I don't want to do that, actually. And that was a little controversial, and, you know, he got some pushback for it, but he kind of just started doing what the fuck ever he wanted with the Sunday strips. And whether that was, like, making just four gigantic fucking panels about, like, you know, Calvin and Hobbes uh, playing in the Jurassic era where he has Tyrannosaurus Rexes and F-14s with extraordinarily detailed, like, illustrations and such, or just having a smorgasbord of panels just kind of detailing like what Calvin and Hobbes would do on on a Sunday and you know yeah and again like no dialogue whatsoever but the way that he's actually put it in in like interviews and such or not really interviews in in some of the book collections because dude is a known recluse I still don't even know what he looks like um but, you know, he, he stated that, you know, kind of messing with that formula and being able to do zero dialogue stuff kind of helps him actually tell a more, as he puts it, more nuanced story mm-hmm. by just through illustration alone. And so I think it's it's fascinating, you know, whereas a lot of folks would talk about, you know, oh, how, you know, Batman is able to convey a deep story through, like, just, you know, illustration such. But I think it would be so fun to look at specifically how, you know, as some folks might think as, like, low art, how a, a comic strip like Calvin and Hobbes is able to elicit really interesting, like, nuanced storytelling in such a constrained format. Um, I don't know. I, there's a lot that you could really talk about through this. You could have an entire class just center around how Calvin and Hobbes looks to subvert a lot of, or, or discuss a lot of um, ideas and concepts about like the American dream or, you know, American capitalism or anything else. Um, it is, again, there, there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So you could really find quite a bit if you wanted to. And clearly people have taken, you know, some semblance of, you know, interest in it if it's in textbooks and things like that, oh, as, yeah. as you've mentioned. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, 
And I mean, like, good God, you could talk a lot about, you know, um, uh, oh shit. Um, the fact that Calvin has been, uh, co-opted by truckers to pee on bushes. I was looking to actually find the specific word for that, yeah, because, uh, that's like, a really interesting way that we, like, take intellectual properties and then, like, turn them into something else. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the the thing about it is, like, Watterson was staunchly against any kind of commercialization of Calvin and Hobbes as characters. Like, he never actually officially signed off on any Calvin and Hobbes merchandise. There is no official Calvin and Hobbes merch out there that's not collections of the books. So, like, if you've seen a vinyl of, you know, a spiky-haired little kid pissing on, say, a Green Bay Packers helmet or something like that, definitely not official merchandise. Super bootlegged stuff. Same thing if you see Calvin, like, uh, kneeling and praying at the cross. Uh, no, definitely bootlegged him. Those stickers are so fucking weird. Yeah, because it's like th- there's a whole, coll- like, th- I mean, there's a whole strip where Calvin looks at Hoff and is like, what if this is all we get? What if there's no afterlife? And Hobbes like, I mean, I'll take what I can get. And Calvin's just like, but I mean, like, if I'm not going to get rewarded for this stuff, I'd like to know. So, <laughs> and there, 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 there's, there's a whole lot of stuff like that in there. So it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me to see how these, these characters specifically Calvin have been like, you know, yeah, co-opted by truckers and such like that to just. I've never seen a pissing Calvin on a on any car other than, like, a fucking F-150 or an S-10 or something. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I don't want to yuck anybody's yums, I guess, but I don't understand what could possibly possess an adult person to be like, yeah, I want a six-year-old urinating to be on my car. It's the same person who'd buy truck nuts. Well, well, I don't know. After Pat Gill's video about truck nuts. (laughs) (laughs) But... yeah, I don't know. Like, I I just think that Calvin and Hobbes works as a really fascinating, unique storytelling vehicle, and also a very interesting, you know, piece of, I guess, cultural criticism. Yeah. In in art, in you know, a a space where there's not often a lot of that, except for like, you know, oh God, don't we all hate Mondays, huh, Garfield? Or oh, man, don't, don't we all hate our spouses? <laughs> or wow, the office really sucks, doesn't it, Dilbert? Which, to be fair, Dilbert's a pretty fucking good strip. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think there's, you know, just with comics as a medium, I think there's so much cool shit that you could do. Like, I, I'm astonished that neither of us chose, say, a manga series to work with. I thought about at it. all thought very hard about it i did too but i was like that would be too on brand and we've done a lot of that yeah i so the only manga that i've read in the recent weeks has been catching up on attack on titan and i'm not entirely caught up uh for those who don't know i'm i'm uh very uh, titan has been my emotional support series and levi ackerman has been my emotional support character since i was 18 i always kind of go back to titan whenever i'm sad and uh, quarantine has made me really anxious, so I started watching Titan again, uh, and I'm I'm finally totally caught up on the manga. There's no way I could possibly talk about it in a teaching sense. I'm so thoroughly upset by so much, <laughs> and uh, something really awful happened to one of my favorite characters, and I just there's no way I could actually talk about it. So I was like, it's gonna have to be in a mess. It's gonna have to be through the woods, <laughs> and I'm not far enough into Haikyuu, and I don't. I'm not a science teacher, so I didn't necessarily want to talk about Dr. Stone, so. Yes, 
that's 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 fair. But it's, I think this was a nice thing to to start off the the reboot with the the gritty reboot. Is it teachable? Is it teachable? The return directed by David Lynch. <laughs> oh what man. Which is actually a legitimate question at this point. Like, yeah, what year is it? Yeah, what that's, day is that, it? that's a big mood. Or, or more importantly, what are we doing next? Ah, oh, shit. We, we have should, to have that up. We should maybe figure out what we're doing next week. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, Lelouch, it, what get... do you, Lelouch, what do you think we're doing next week? With some with some time magic, uh, I'm, I'm going to, like, click, and then you, we're, we're going to have there. the roll there. So, uh. Ta-da. Click. It's back. Woo. Cool. Okay. So, so. as a, uh, re- I guess reminder, I guess I, I was saying it, and then I was like, that sounds like a teachery thing to say, yep. and my we're body rejected it. Um, like we did last week, we're just gonna randomly generate a number from our numbered list of things we could potentially talk about, which ranges from assignments to types of texts, and that'll give us a heads up as to what we were gonna do next week. So let's. Four. That's a personal, personal narrative. narrative. Oh, Ooh. oh, okay. Ooh, all right. Icky. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it'll be I, an episode. It'll be an episode. <laughs> so on that note, it is now 6.52. It's been almost an hour. Oh, I'm very hungry. I was about to say, I'm starving. What are we having for dinner? I, I don't, I don't know. Um, There's so much focaccia in the cabinet. I made a giant focaccia loaf, and it is way thicker than it should be because we didn't have a pan that was big enough for the actual recipe. So now we have giant focaccia in the cabinet. And it's not the Bon Appetit focaccia because I know um, the it wasn't the reductress. It was some... I think it was reductress. Was it, was it the reductress? Is it, did you make the Bon Appetit focaccia, or do you live with someone you can fuck? I made the tasty <laughs> like focaccia, that. so. <laughs> uh, and, and with that. I am immune to it. With that. <laughs> class dismissed. Deuces. Deuces.